uncomfortable. It's like plugs your nose and you can't hardly breathe. And I think uh, Miss Gwen gave it to me as a torture device, but um, it must be a New York thing. Yeah, it must be. And um, I don't think I've ever seen one of these until I came to the South, so good news. Um, but uh, anyways, I'll have to put that on when I think you all need a smile every once in a while. And uh, I try to convince everybody, or at least most people, that it's okay to smile in church. But some people think that's suspect, I think, that you're not allowed to smile in church. And, and uh, so we uh, uh, like try to make you smile every once in a while. Philippians chapter number two, talking about, uh, I want to finish up uh, what we've been uh, discussing about, um, uh, about our testimony. And uh, we're on the um, third part of, uh, um, uh, of our message that we've been talking about having a testimony. And we talked about regeneration of spirit and renewing of thinking, of our thinking. And uh, this morning we started uh, on the third point, and that is um, the rearranging of our priorities. The rearranging of our priorities. And we need, Matthew chapter 6, we need to put God first. Um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto thee. So we need to put God first in our eyes. So we've got to rearrange some things to make that happen. In other words, if something else is first, it needs to be rearranged and put into the proper place where God is first in your life. And not only to where we say that God is first in our lives, but that it's evident that God is first in our lives. And so um, uh, God is first uh, is one of the uh, uh, orders uh, of arranging our priorities that we need to get into. Uh, so we need to think of God first. And then, and then when it comes to uh, our priorities, uh, we, need to, uh, we need to think about others as well. We need to think about others as well. Being a blessing and a help to other people. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says this in verse number 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. As you talk about priorities and as you talk about putting God first and as you talk about putting others first, you'll notice uh, in the scriptures, you'll notice um, where the Bible uh, says, uh, has, has um, a lot to say about your thinking, how, how you think, the way you think, uh, prioritizing your thinking, renewing your thinking. Philippians says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the rearranging of our priorities has a lot to do with the renewing of our thinking. And, uh, of course, uh, the renewing of our thinking is directly uh, associated with the regeneration of the Spirit. Uh, And so being born again, being saved, uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, and, and so that old way of thinking is gone, new way of thinking now, and that new way of thinking rearranges our priorities. You see how they're all 
connected one to another. And so as we rearrange our priorities, we said that this morning that uh, some things take precedence over other things. Uh, In other words, some things are more important than other things. It's just the facts of life. Not everything is equal. I I think that um, there's a realm of society that tries to teach that, that that everything uh, that everything is equal and everybody's the same and and uh, but it's just not true. Um, you play a, a, a baseball. Two teams play in baseball. One team's the winner. And one team's a loser. I know we try to stay away from that word, but it's just the bottom line is if you lose the game, well, you lost, and so that's just all there is to it. And if you won the game, you win. Uh, uh, but nowadays, it's everybody's a winner. So. We get trophies for, you know, uh, oh, what is that trophy? That's, uh, that I was, you know, I was in 16th place out of, you know, 16 people. And so, so you came in last, in other words. And so, um, but we don't, you know, I'm not trying to be ugly about it. I'm just telling you, everything's not created equal. And so if everything's not created equal, then we need to rearrange some things. So the, so the things that are important to us, the things that God says that are important to us, ought to be arranged accordingly in our lives. And so we talked about that this morning. We talked about um, when it comes to uh, relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our children. Some things take precedence over, over other things. If two people go to the hospital, one of them stub their toe and the other one's having a heart attack, you're going to have to wait on the stub toe. I mean, why? Because the heart takes precedence. You can live without your toe. You can't live without your heart. Okay. So it's just another example of priorities uh, that uh, are placed in life, and there's no no different with you and me. And so we've got to um, uh, we've got to make uh, others a priority in our lives. You know, the Bible says a lot about others. The Bible says a lot about us as his people loving one another, doesn't it? The Bible says that God loves us. That's why we love him. He first loved us. And then we're supposed to take that love that God loved us with and loves us with and love one another. Matter of fact, the Bible is so strong on that statement that the Bible says that that if you... Say that you love God and you hate your brother. You are a liar. Wow, that's some pretty strong terminology. But that's what God says. God says if we uh, talk about how much we love God, and they say, oh, these people, they love God. Oh, I love God. I love God. I love God. But they're always at ought with their brother. They're always at ought with their sister. There's always a problem and always an issue. We need to get that right. If we're going to be right with God, we need to be right with others. With as much as that lies within us, we need to live peaceably with all men. But but catch this, especially those of the household of faith, right? Now, we should, should, as, as best as within us, sometimes it's not possible. I'm just here to tell you, you can be as nice as you can to be to some people, and they just don't like you. You can't make a person like you. 
I know that hurts some people's feelings. I'm just telling you, it's just the bottom line. Some people just don't going to like you. And that's just, you're just going to have to be okay with that. Now, it shouldn't be our goal to go around making people not like us, okay? So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But sometimes there, there's nothing you can do about that. But with everything that's within you, you should live peaceably with all men. And then God says this, especially of those of the household of faith. And I get this as God says this. I, I, I take it like this. If you can't get along with your brother and sister in Christ, how are you going to get along with anybody in the world? I mean, if we can't do it here, within the walls of the church, how in the world do you expect to live peaceably with those in your neighborhood and those in your family that are unsaved and those that are at your workplace and those that are at school, those that you have to rub shoulders with every day? If we can't do it here, we're never going to do it out there, especially of those that are the household of faith. It ought to be evident amongst God's people that we are a priority to one another. Do you know something about the world? Let me tell you a couple things about the world. One, the world's not going to pray for you. They just aren't. I mean, the, the world doesn't know how to pray. They don't have anything to do with prayer and uh, often have nothing to do with God. And they're, they're, they may be concerned about you as a human being as, and as a person, but they're not going to pray for you. Who's going to pray for you? God's people are going to pray for you. I mean, we ought to be, uh, 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 Galatians 6, we ought to be burden bearers. We ought to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We ought to be there for each other. The world's not going to be there for you. The world's not going to pray for you. The world's not going to love you like God says to. But God's people should. It should be evident in our church. When people come and visit our church, it ought to be evident. You know, schisms ought not be evident in the church. Division ought not be evident in the church. Talking about each other and gossip ought not be evident in the church. Our love for one another ought to be evident in the church. People ought to be able to see that, and people ought to be able to know that about us as a church. Why? Because others are a priority. We said it this morning. When it comes to the things that are a priority to us, things that are important to us, we do two things. Number one, we spend time on them, and we spend money on them. The things that are important to us, we spend time on. We tell you, we all... We all are probably of, of a different economic strata. I mean, we all probably come from a different, even growing up or where we are right now economically, how much we have in the bank and, and, and blah, 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 blah. I tell you, everybody thinks, I don't care how rich you are, everybody thinks that somebody else got more money. Uh, no, no, they got, the, you know, they got money. You know, they, they got money. You know, we, let me tell you something. I don't care how poor you are. You got money compared to somebody else. So it's all relative. But the point is, the point is, one thing that we all have that is common is time. And time is, sometimes we'd much rather reach into our pocket and pull out a few shekels and give a few shekels than, than to give our time. Why? Because time is precious, right? We only have a certain amount of time in a day. And in that time, we spend, you know, Eating, we spend 
we spend sleeping, we spend on hygiene, I mean, we spend on our family, we spend at our work. We, I mean, you've got to split up your time. I remember being in the military. One of the things I really uh, struggled with, um, one of the reasons, one of the, one of the big reasons I didn't stay in is because I picked a rate. And I picked this rate. I picked this job because something similar my dad did. And so I just picked it arbitrarily. And so I picked this job that when I was underway, I was working all the time. Now, the benefit was when we got to port, everybody hated us. I mean, we were the first ones to get off the ship if we didn't have duty. I mean, the ship was very, I mean, it was barely docked before we were, you know, getting off the ship. But when we were underway, man, we were either six on, six off, or 12 on, 12 off. And you think to yourself, well, that doesn't sound so bad, <laughs> except you have to do everything in those six hours. You have to eat. You have to shower. You have to sleep. And if you're unlucky enough to have the six hours where everybody else is awake, it's really hard to sleep uh, with people turning the light on and people getting into the rack and people getting into the lockers. And boy, it was just, it was just really, really hard. So you know what? Time is a commodity. It really is. And to take your time for other people, people take note of. You ever know that? You ever notice that? People take note of that. I remember I didn't have a family. And, uh, and, and so a lot of these guys, when they had family, uh, if they had a wife, they had children, and they had duty, and it was Christmas. By the way, the military does not care that it's Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving, or any other holiday, okay? If you got duty, you got duty. I mean, that, you, you, you stay. And so the family, the family guys, they would go around begging. And sometimes they'd go around paying for someone to take their duty. Well, I sometimes took money, but I was the smart one. I liked favors. And so I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take it. Uh, you just owe me later. And then when we were underway or something, they took my duty or whatever it was. But, uh, but I, was always, I was always willing because I didn't have family anyways. I, I didn't, what was I going to do? Go eat at a restaurant for Christmas? Woohoo! you know, nobody. And so I, I'd stayed on board and I took people's duty. I, I did it all the time. And let me tell you something. People recognize that. When you do something for other people, they recognize that. They pay attention to that. And when you're doing something, when, when somebody's a priority in your life... You're going to do things for them that are a blessing and a help to them, especially in, uh, in the church, especially those of the household of faith. When it comes to others, when it comes to others, what do we need to make a priority of? Number one, it need to be a, his, his or her salvation needs to be a priority. His or her salvation needs to be priority. Now, I guarantee you every single person in here knows somebody that's lost. You probably know somebody that's lost that's close to you. You probably know somebody that's lost that's in your family. You probably know somebody that's lost that you work with every single day. And when it comes to others, we need to be praying and we need to be working towards their salvation. We get one chance at life. 
That's it. There's no rewind button. There's no do-overs. We get one shot at it. When that shot is done, when that life is over, it's over forever. It's over for eternity. And what you've done with Christ before you die is going to depend on where you spend that eternity. And so if your salvation is taken care of, praise God, right? Praise the Lord. I mean, it ought to be a first priority is to make sure that you're saved, to make sure that your sins are forgiven, to make sure that you're right with God. But then if we say that we care about other people and don't care for their soul, something's wrong with that. Because I want you to know something. Even the worst of enemies, we should care for their soul. We should care where they spend eternity. Because a hell is a terrible place. Folks, listen to me. Hell is not a place where people gather together and, 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 and drink beer and have a good time. Hell is not a place where we go and hang out with our buddies and, and, and our friends. That's a bunch of nonsense, folks. Hell is a place of torments. A place where the fire is never quenched. A place where there's gnashing of teeth. And there's a, a place of, 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 of immeasurable pain with no relief. I can't even imagine, and I'm glad my mind can't imagine, the, the depths of degradation of hell. It's not a place that anybody is going to have a good time in. But it's a place that people go to. That ought to concern you. That ought to concern me. Do you know, do you know what concerned Jesus? Do you know what concerned God? Jesus gave a lot of commands when he was on this earth. You know what his last command was? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. His, you've heard this before, right? His last command ought to be our first concern. What is his last command? His last command is, hey, go and tell. Tell people about me. Tell people how they can be saved. Tell people uh, that there is a heaven. Tell people that there's eternal life. Go and tell. That ought to be a concern for us. That ought to be a priority for us in our family's life. Do you know it's easier? I don't know if you found this out to be true. Maybe it's not universally true, but I've found it to be almost universally true with everybody I've talked to and in my own life. That it's easier to talk to a complete stranger about salvation than to talk to somebody that you love about salvation. Do you know it's easier to go to uh, somebody up on the street and easier to tell them about salvation than to tell, like, maybe a parent? Or to tell a, a loved one that you're close to? I don't know why that is. I, I guess we don't want to offend them. I guess we don't want to push them away. I guess we don't want to, whatever we don't want to do. But I want you to know something. If they're important to you, then where they spend eternity ought to be important to you. I, I, listen, more than, more than I want them to spend eternity with me, I want them to spend eternity with God. Because the alternative is unacceptable. And if people are a priority to you, then their salvation will be a priority to you as well. 1 Corinthians 
chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number, uh, verse number 33. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 33. The scripture says, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. It's my goal. That's what I want. So Paul say, my pro- it's not for my profit, it's for your profit. And what's the ultimate profit? The ultimate profit is to know Jesus Christ as our uh, personal Savior. In John chapter number 1, the Bible says, Andrew, remember Andrew? Andrew goes out and findeth first his brother Peter. His concern for his brother Hey, I found the Messiah. I know who He is. Come and see. Let me show you who He is. It was a concern for Him. Concern for His salvation. Number two, if we think of others, we need to be concerned for their edification. For their edification. Life's hard. Difficulties are real. I wish, I, I wish just for a day I could be that prosperity preacher that says, hey, just get saved and all your problems go away. But it's just not honest. It's just not true. Because, by the way, when we get saved, we've got a whole new enemy coming after us now. You ever thought about that? You ever, when you... When you witness to somebody and, and somebody gets saved, have you ever warned them, now watch out, because the devil is not going to be happy. We don't do that, do we? We usually just say, God bless you, you got saved, praise the Lord, and we praise the Lord with them. But we don't warn them and say, oh, wait a minute, I'm telling you right now, hey, when's the last time somebody came to the altar, and before they went back to the altar, you said, now watch out. <laughs> before you get out that back door, the devil's going to jump all over you. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. You decide you're going you're gonna to do something for God. You decide you're going to be saved. You decide you're going to be a witness. You decide you're going to do anything for God. The devil's not going to be happy. So life doesn't get easier. In some respects, life can get harder. Do you know what, you know what Jesus said? They persecuted me. They'll persecute you. I mean, in the world, this is, I'm talking, these are from the, this is from the lips of Jesus. In the world you shall have tribulation. It is an absolute fact. Who is he telling that to? His disciples. In the world you're going to have tribulation. By the way, with the exception of John who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, every one of them gave their life in a horrific way through tribulation and persecution. Jesus said it's going to happen. Jesus didn't say, okay, listen to me. You follow me, and your troubles are over. You follow me, you'll never get sick again. You follow me, you'll never have another financial problem in your life. You follow me, and all your relationships will be wonderful. He didn't say any of those things, did he? He said, you follow me, and you're going to have persecution. You follow me, you're going to have tribulation. Now, the good news is when you follow him, he said, be of good cheer. 
I've overcome the world. Okay? So we obviously, yeah, we have a new enemy, but praise God, we have a, we have a new advocate, right? Uh, Jesus Christ is the advocate to, uh, with the Father. And so uh, we're uh, thankful for that. But we do have tribulation, and we do have difficulties. And sometimes those things can get us down. Have you ever been down? I mean, I mean, I mean, really down. I'm not just talking about sad. I'm talking about, I mean, you've just been down. Things just don't seem to go right. It's that, it's that, um, it rains, it pours syndrome. You know, I mean, it just, I mean, it really does happen that way in life. One thing happens and then another and then, then another. And if you're not careful, all you'll see is the problems and you'll miss the blessings. You'll miss, even through the problems, especially through the problems, there's the blessings of God. Even through the hardships, even through the valleys, we can be of good cheer because He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can have that peace that passeth all understanding. It kind of reminds me of Amelia laying there. Not a care in the world. Just, mom's, mom's got me. No problem. I'm going to, which I wish I was sleeping. But I was just sleeping, relaxing. Why? Because in a child's mind, mom and dad's got this. You know, somewhere along the line, we've lost our child's mind. And knowing that, hey, my father's got this. Yeah, is this a real problem? It sure is. And is there a real problem stacked upon a real problem stacked upon a real problem? Yeah, there sure is. And man, it's hard. And I'm not up here to tell you that everything is, is peaches and roses. But I am here to tell you that God's got this. God knows what you're facing. God knows what you're going through. Do you know what that is? It's called edification. It's called building one another up. And we ought to be, we ought to be good at edifying one another. We ought to be good at encouraging one another. Don't be a part of the crowd that tears people down. Don't be a part of the I told you crowd. I've heard that through the years. Have you heard that through the years? I, I told you. That's exactly what I needed to hear during a rough time in my life. Yeah, I told you that was going to happen. Well, I'm so glad you're right. That helps me out a lot, right? No, oh, but you know what I do remember? I remember people that come along and encouraged me. I remember, I remember people that, that, that were there for me. I remember people that edified me and lifted me up when I was going through a difficult time. Listen. Without people, God has given us relationships on purpose. Because in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And God's put people in our lives to to be a blessing to us. And I can name them in my own life. I can make a list. And you know how terrible my mind is when I, I can't hardly remember anything. But man, those people that have affected me for the good, I could list their names. Matter of fact, I talked to I talked to one not not too long ago, and um, we they they called me their adopted son. Matter of fact, uh, when we were in our previous church, 
we um, sold our house and um, we were building a house that a church member gave us some property and we were building a, a Jim Walter's house on it. And uh, in between time, I went, Wendy and, and, and the kids went and stayed with mom and uh, I, stayed, I stayed with this couple um, just so, so I could be close to the church and, and live with them for just, just a little while. And um, we went on, I mean, this is the kind of people that, we went on vacation one year and um, his name is Johnny. Johnny came up to me and said, Joe, listen, he said, well, I don't want to discuss it. We don't need to talk about it. But, um, you know, your car's a piece of junk. And so, um, you know, we talked to each other like that. And he said, so here, here's, here's the keys to my Lincoln. Thank you so much. And uh, he said, now, it takes premium gasoline. So it's going to cost a little bit extra. And this was way back when gas was reasonable. And um, he said, so I don't really want to, I want you to incur that. So, so, so here's, here's the card. Now, you're going to have to stop at this gas station. I was like, you know, break my heart. I'll find the gas station, I promise you. And, uh, and, and, and so when we took his Lincoln, I mean, we were driving like, man, we, we were, I mean, you ever drive a Lincoln? I mean, it's like, it's like being in your recliner driving down the road. The only problem with it is you don't fall asleep in this thing. It was so comfortable and it was wonderful. And, and they, let me tell you something, every single turn, they were there for us. Our, our, our youngest, Emma, her first birthday, she remembers, was at, was at their house fishing off the dock that they bought her a little fishing pole, a little oh, Barbie or something like that, a little, little fishing pole they fished off, off the dock. She remembers that. People, listen to me, God puts people in our life to lift us up, to edify us, to help us along life's way. Now, there are people that don't get that concept. And unfortunately, there are people even in church that don't get that concept. And all they do is tear down. And all they do is gossip. And all they do is, let me tell you, let me, you, want to know, you want to know a rumor if you didn't hear this rumor? I don't know where it came from. I'm not saying it came from our church. I'm just telling you a rumor went around when Forrest left. You know, we have wee ones down here at Maranatha. And so, um, you know, we know the pastor and his wife down there pretty good. And um, she called Wendy in an absolute uproar. She said, I am... I am hurt, and I cannot believe that you did not tell us. She said, Miss Reiner, what are you talking about? She said, I'd, I'd heard that Forrest and Jessica are leaving. Of course, they, they helped us with We Ones a lot, and so they knew who they were. And she said, but, but, but you going too? It's just, I just I can't believe that you didn't. And she said, Miss Reiner, we're not going anywhere. She said, well, I heard it from a good source. And Wendy said, well, your source is a bad source. you got a bad apple somewhere because that's a rumor that somebody started. People like to start rumors. People like to be ugly. People like to do mean things to other people. But let me tell you something about those people. They choose to be that. They choose to do that. So you can choose to lift up or you can choose to dare down. God has given you a hammer, and you can choose to, to, to tear something up with that hammer, or you can choose to build something with that hammer. 
And that's what edification is all about. It's lifting each other up. We need the encouragement. I don't care how much somebody says they're doing fine. They need to be encouraged. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 2. We need to be edifiers. Lifter ups of one another's lives. We need to think about others for their salvation. We need to think about others for their edification. Think about this one, because we don't often think about it. But we need to think about others for their restoration. For their restoration. Have you figured this out in life? I figured it out. Figured it out a long time ago. People make mistakes. Sometimes they're big mistakes, and sometimes they're small mistakes. But God says in Galatians chapter number 6 that we are to restore one another. But I want you to notice that proviso that he gives in that verse of those that restore. Those that restore are those that are spiritual. Those that are spiritual. See, it doesn't take a spiritual person to kick. Sometimes I think that we wait for someone to fall and we think to ourselves, I knew that was coming. It almost makes us feel better because we're not the ones that fell. Sometimes it makes us feel better because maybe that one had some fame or had some power or had some whatever that you didn't think that they should have had and they did have and then they fell and you thought to yourself, well... I mean, you might not have shouted it out from the housetops. You might not have put it out on Facebook, but you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I knew that one was coming. And you know what we do? Baptists are are notorious for it. And we're, we're some of the worst at it. We kick our wounded. Instead of helping our wounded, we hurt our wounded. And there's a lot of churches and a lot of um, uh, denominations that have restoration programs. There's few in the Baptist church. Because we have this mindset, you got one shot, you blow it, you're out. See ya. It's almost a mentality that we have. Instead of coming alongside and trying to restore, trying to be a blessing, if people are important to you, then their fall is important to you too. What can I do? Not to excuse it. Not to say it's okay. But what can I do to help restore him or her to his or her faith? Now, If you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. I don't care what you do, okay? If you've truly trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that can't be lost. But boy, our fellowship can be lost. Our fellowship can be broken. Our bodies can be broken. Our minds can be broken. And a lot of people through the years, can you see them in your mind's eye? Can you see the people that used to be in church that aren't there no more? I'm not talking because they go to another church. I'm not talking about that. Uh, You know, I say this all the time. All the time I say this. Our church is not for everybody. I get that. 
but you ought to be in charge. Hebrews 10.25 says that we ought not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as we see the day approaching. So, so we ought to be meeting more and more, not less and less. Churches are meeting less and less anymore. And it all gets blamed on the preacher. By the way, everything gets blamed on the preacher, and I get it. Everything fall, rises and falls on leadership. I get it. It's part of the job. But I want you to know, when, when, you got, when you're having church and two people showing up, you're having a Wednesday night program and nobody shows up, it's hard. It's difficult. They say this. I, I love this. I absolutely love this statement. A lot of people don't like it, but I love it. Uh, I love it. Sunday, Sunday morning, it, it talks about when people show up on Sunday morning, it's how popular the church is. When they show up on Sunday night, it's how popular the preacher is. When they show up on Wednesday night, it's how popular Jesus is. And uh, we, just don't, we just don't find it a priority anymore. And people get hurt. And they get discouraged. And they get broken. And they get out of church. And they get off their knees. And, they, and now all of a sudden they're in depression. And all of a sudden they don't want anything to do with church or, or church people. And they, and they get out of church. And, and you know what we do by and far? We wipe our hands of them. So be it. See you on your way. When's the last time that person that just came to your mind... When's the last time you called them? And I just want to let you know we missed you at church. I just want to let you know, so I'm praying for you. By the way, don't, don't lie to somebody. Don't tell them you're praying for them if you're not praying for them. Just don't, just don't say nothing. When's the last time you said, hey, I just want to... And they may not want to hear it. They may get aggravated with you. They may hang up the telephone. They may walk away. I don't know what it is. But let me tell you something. You're doing, when we're doing that, we're showing our concern for people. I'm concerned about you and your spouse. I'm concerned about you and your children. I got people, listen, I got people that, that, that often come to my mind. When they come to my mind, I write their names down so that I can give them a call or give them a text. Do you know what? You, if you don't want to talk to them, you don't, in the world we're living in today, you can text them. You can shoot them an email. You can Facebook them, whatever that's called. You can even, listen, it's even legal to kick somebody now. Isn't that a thing, right? That's You can kick somebody. It's a, some kind of social media. Uh, I th- maybe I'm wrong. Some of y'all look at me like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you ain't got no social media any more than I do. But you, you can do all these things. It's just, just a word of encouragement, a word to say that I'm praying for you, a word to say, hey, if you want somebody to talk to, I'm here. I'm not talking about badgering somebody, but I am talking about trying to restore relationships that have been broken. Do you know that I hear when talking to people? about people that used to come to Rinkin Baptist Temple. We've been here so long, listen to me. Unless you just moved to this county, you came to Rinkin Baptist Temple at one time. Matter of fact, you were a member. You might have been a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. I mean, we've just been around a long time. And so, but you know what I hear all the time? You know, so-and-so, such-and-such, 
And I want to grab them by the arms and say, so-and-so isn't here anymore. Such-and-such has moved on. Come and see. Come, come back. But you know what? They got hurt so bad by that one person, by that one group. And well, they left the church, so I don't want nothing to do with them anymore. Let them go find another church. Because we too get hurt. Maybe they were a friend. Maybe they were a co-laborer. And they just walked away. Do you know most conflict in the church? Most conflict in the church, people aren't even aware of what the conflict is. I'm mad at you. It's like the Hatfields and McCoys. They just keep fighting. They don't know... They don't know why they're fighting anymore. They just keep fighting. Why? Because that's what they've always done. And this is what I've always done. Well, I'm not in church because mom and daddy weren't in church. And mom and daddy, their mom and daddy wasn't in church. And I'm not in church because of, and they name a name. That person could be dead and gone. I'm not in church anymore because, hold on a second. I know there's a reason. There's a reason I'm not in church anymore. I forgot it, but it's a good one. It's a good reason. It's like the husband that answers the door. I'm telling you, it's not a lie. I've experienced this in door knocking before. And I just wanted to, you know, to invite you out to church. And we go to Ring Baptist Temple. Oh, yeah, we got a church home. Oh, that's great. What church do you go to? Hey, babe! What's that church we go to? Listen to me. You ain't that faithful if you don't know the name of your church, okay? And so, but it's that idea, right? I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So what do we need to do? We need to rearrange our priorities. Find out what's important to you. Can I challenge you to do this? Write it down. Write down what's important to you. And then once you write down what's important to you, then evaluate your life. And see what you're spending time on. You know, it's a priority for me to read. I love to read. And sometimes I'll I'll read and I'll read, I'll, I'll just read a book after book after book after book after book. Big books and small books and, I mean, all sorts of books. And sometimes I'll get to the place where I haven't read a book in like three hours. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't read a, I haven't read a book in, in a little while. And, and, I, and I look back. You know what I do? This is what I do. I, honestly, I'm telling you the truth. I evaluate. I look back and I say, you know what? I started, I started watching TV a little bit more. I started doing such and such a little bit more. And if that such and such isn't more important to me than reading the Bible, guess what I do? I rearrange my priorities, right? I say, okay, I'm going to turn off the TV so I have more time to, 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 um, to read. But if, it's, but if what's taking away from it is hanging out with my son, books are always going to be put to the side. Why? Because he's more important to me than books. So I'll find somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? What's important to you? Write it down, evaluate your life, and then rearrange your priorities. We should all have time to do the things that are important to us. And when we have time to do the things that are important to us, our testimony will speak for itself. Where we go and who we go with and who we're hanging out with and what we're doing All of it will speak volumes. It'll speak volumes to what's most important to you. We say that God is what's most important to us.
is it evident in our lives. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight thanking you for the opportunity to look into your word. Thank you, Spirit, that you look into us. Convict us. Convict us of our, our testimonies, of our priorities. Help us to get the main thing back to being the main thing. Help us to put you first in our lives. Help us to be there for others, to be an encouragement, to be an edifier, to be a blessing, to be a restorer. It's not our job to put people down. It's our job to be a blessing, not to excuse sin, but to help us, help us to be a bridge to get people back to God. Use us. Give us opportunities in the week. Open up our eyes and help us to behold the opportunities that you give us every day. And help us to get our priorities arranged in the right order. Renew our thinking. Help us to have the mind of Christ. Regenerate the Spirit. If we're not saved, I pray that we'd get that settled before it's eternally too late. Help that not only to be important in our life, but help that to be important in the lives of others. As we go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Help us this week to put the things that we've heard, put the things that we've learned from your word, help us to put them into practice this week. And most importantly, on everything that we say and everything that we do, may our lives honor and glorify your good name. Dismiss us with your blessing. Give us a good week. Bring us back this coming Wednesday night for our midweek service, Lord, and may you be glorified with what's said and done in our lives. We'll be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for what's said and done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Men, men's meeting over in the teen room. Um, and then next Sunday, a uh, church-wide meeting. Men's meeting, teen room.